It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. After the Celtics, improbable, I guess is the word, comeback win against the Minnesota Timberwolves in what looked like uh, a bad matchup on the road against a hungry young team with uh, some decent big guys, I would say, in Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's okay. The Celtics whipped off a 19-0 run in the fourth quarter and come away with a 99-93 win. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Al Horford's impact, Isaiah Thomas's impact, uh, Terry Rozier having a monster fourth quarter, and and some of the lineup stuff. Uh, today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code LO Celtics. You're going to get 20 bucks off your first ticket purchase. Uh, that is uh, something that uh, I've done, Sam's done, and you should do too. Sam Packer joining me today as part of the podcast. Uh, you know, Sam, uh, if I sound a little confused, maybe it's because this is a confusing team right now. I can't figure these guys out. They look so bad and so good. In the course of not only the same game, not only the same half, but like sometimes the same quarter. Yeah, no, I I was I was just dumbfounded by what happened in the fourth quarter. They if, during the first three quarters they looked like a kind of a beaten down team who uh, had kind of given up. I, Adam Himmelsbach tweeted about just kind of a, their body language and how they don't look the same when they're losing, and I I tended to agree with him, and then. All of a sudden, they just don't let the Timberwolves score for the first nine minutes of the of the fourth quarter, and suddenly they're back in the game. It just it was a shocking kind of turn of events, and I don't know how much is to to bl- like blame on the fact that Tom Thibodeau used all their timeouts and kind of with a, might have ran his young team into the ground, or it's just a, the bench players stepped up. But you're a really kind of a shocking end to a game that I had. I know, did not think there was any chance they were going to win this game uh, when the third quarter ended. I just didn't think it was in the cards. So it started out okay, and then the second quarter happened. And the, between the second and the third quarter, the Celtics were outscored uh, 60 to 45. So that's not good. That, that, that's some quality analysis there. Not good. And it looked like. The Timberwolves with Towns and Gorgie Jang were just too big, 
too dominant. Obviously, Towns is is Towns. I mean, he's just a ridiculously freak athlete. He drops twenty seven and eighteen tonight in a just a monster performance. He's the future of the NBA. Jang is underrated, but still, a twenty ten night is not something you expect out of him. And it just looked like he and Towns were just going to be so problematic. Uh, offensive rebounds, second chance points were going to be an issue. Look, 17-8 in second chance points for the Timberwolves. 58-34 to 34 points in the paint in favor of the Timberwolves. Everything was trending towards a disappointing loss for the Celtic, Celtics, and we're going to start complaining. I was ready to complain about Kelly Olynyk looks terrible out there. He looks soft. The bigs, the Celtics bigs, just getting pushed around. They give up too many rebounds, too many second-chance points. And then, all of a sudden, the Timberwolves, who are too young to close out a game on their own. They need heavy coaching to close out games. They've had problems in the fourth quarter. So, those problems surfaced. Thibodeau, knowing that these problems surface, burns a bunch of timeouts early to try to get his team on track. They just can't. So they start missing shots. Guys start getting tight, start not wanting to take shots. The Celtics, meanwhile, start rebounding like crazy. Marcus Smart starts rebounding like crazy. Avery Bradley starts rebounding like crazy. I mean, those guys went off in the fourth quarter, out-rebounded Minnesota 15-10. to uh, Marcus Smart had five rebounds in the fourth. Jarebko had three. Bradley had two. So all of a sudden, those misses didn't hurt. The Celtics got out and running. Terry Rozier had this nasty dunk. Isaiah Thomas starts getting to the rim. Things start going the Celtics' way, and it's a completely different game. So I, I don't know. I really don't know what team we have. Because like you said, Adam Himmelsbach made that note. I wrote it down on my in my notes. Uh, body language is a problem because when the Celtics are struggling, they really look like they get down on themselves. They get they go through a lot of lulls in these games. I, I don't know if this is a function right now of still not knowing how to play with one another, still not getting used to some of these rotations. Brad Stevens is using some interesting lineups. I think he's still trying to figure out at full strength, how to manage these things. So, I don't know, Sam. It's it's just very, very confusing at this point. Yeah, then that point about the rotations was definitely something I was thinking about in the third quarter. And, like, this is the only the second game where he's had the – Stevens has had his full complement of players, and it kind of – it can make sense that they haven't really learned to, to mesh together and play together. Um, and then just kind of – you stick Al Horford in uh, with the bench unit and kind of the defense all of a sudden just, I guess, for lack of a better term, turns it up to 11. Like there's, it was just kind of impressive. And it, and I don't know if it was a, a scheme thing. It just seemed like the effort and the intensity was, was there in the early fourth quarter. And maybe that just comes with putting in players like Jarebko, Marcus Smart, um, and I, I think we have to talk about just Al Horford, just his impact he makes on defense is amazing. That one sequence where he went from the the block, I think it was on Wiggins, and then right into the dunk. It was my first my first official algasm of the year. It had to jump <laughs> off the couch. It was a it was an amazing play, and he was great on defense. Uh, uh, 
throughout that fourth quarter, and I think to, ever since he's come back, he's just been, had multiple moments where it's like, damn, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does everything. And he he had that great play where he found Avery Bradley streaking down the middle for the dunk after he got double teamed. He just he just does the right thing almost every time. It maybe doesn't always work out in in a a basket, but he does the right thing. He makes the right pass. He's probably the Celtics' best passer right now. Uh, and he he rebounds. He had a couple of monster blocks. What do you, I'm going to see how many blocks he had on the on the three blocks for the game. His final numbers, by the way, 20 points, six rebounds, five assists, a steal, three blocks, uh, nine of 20 shooting. Just an amazing game for. And he's the only starter that was a positive. He was a plus 10. He was the only starter that was a positive uh, on the night. So he really just does everything. And it's basically Al Horford plus any four guys is going to be a good lineup for the Celtics. That's just how it is. And you can see that with Horford on the team and out there, the Celtics can withstand these bad stretches. And they could do things like not play Linux for a while and, and put Jarebko in and have Jarebko be more effective. All of a sudden, Jonas Jarebko is having a nice stretch. And he was in. Look, he was a plus 20 tonight. He was on the floor for that for most of that run. He's out there hitting shots, playing defense. Uh, he had a huge deflection down the stretch when Towns tried to force something down low and he was in there to block a pass. Just I think Jarebko is a huge part of the Celtics' success over the past couple of games. And that's due in part to being able to play next to Al Horford and getting some of that, uh, I guess, some of that Horford shine, for lack of a better term. Yeah, Jarebko's been impressive and definitely needed uh, in these past couple of games because I just don't think Jay Crowder is back to 100% yet and he hasn't been kind of that explosive um, athlete we're used to. So with him gone, they definitely needed some sort of size uh, on the wing and Jarebko is so much more than his kind of – I think he made that one corner three after uh, Jalen Brown made the extra pass. But his so so much of his game is just that, that extra effort. And you know he's going to give you – he's going to fight for every single ball and uh, just try for rebounds, which is something that it didn't look like the Celtics were doing, uh, especially in the first three quarters. It's just – it's the little things like that, just like effort and working hard. It, it makes a difference in the end, especially – Maybe if the the Wolves are a little tired out after uh, three quarters. Um, yeah, but just going back to that that lineup of Jarebko, Jalen Brown had some very nice minutes uh, just doing the same thing, hustling and kind of making the right basketball play. It was Jarebko, Brown, Smart, Rozier, and then Al Horford. It's just uh, the Celtics needed a push from someone, and those guys stepped up. It was it – is, I'm still confused. It, it was mighty <laughs> impressive, but it still didn't, doesn't make any sense how they stopped uh, the Wolves from in scoring the basketball entirely. This is a confusing team right now because they're still trying to figure themselves out. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around the fact that this was, what, Al Horford's fifth game? So he's it's, it's all still coming together. Brad Stevens still trying to figure out who should play when, 
and all of that. And look, if anybody out there can make sense of it, by all means, let us know. Use the hashtag Rain and Jays. Let us know. What you should do is go see it in person by using the SeatGeek app and then tell us how what you see. Now, the SeatGeek app will let you see these games up close in person. If you want to sit courtside, if you got that kind of cash lying around, by all means, go for it. But you don't have to. You can sit in the mezzanine. You can sit up in the balcony. You can sit wherever you want, whatever fits into your budget. And SeatGeek makes it easy because they do all of the legwork for you. They search multiple ticket sites. They get you the best deal on every ticket. You open up the app. You can see color-coded, green, yellow, red, what's the best value, what's not a great value. You can click on all the different sections and figure out what works for you. They do all the price comparisons. And on top of it all, the tickets you buy on SeatGeek are backed by their 100% guarantee. And we can get you 20 bucks back on top of that. So what you do is you go download the SeatGeek app for anything, Android, iPhone, whatever. It's all available in their app stores. Go to the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, enter LO Celtics, boom, done. Buy your first set of tickets. You get 20 bucks back after you buy your first set of tickets. I've used it. Uh, I'm going to use it again. I know Sam's used it. If you are in New York, the Celtics play Brooklyn on Wednesday. You can go check out that. Uh, if you wanted to, if you're home in Boston for Thanksgiving, they play the Spurs Friday at 1 in the afternoon. You could even have your Thanksgiving dinner, wake up the next day with your family, and decide if you want to go to the game that next day. You just put it on your phone. You can buy the tickets through your phone. Show them your phone at the at the garden. Boom, you're in. SeatGeek app, promo code LOCELTICS, and you are in. So you could help us out and let us know what you see I see the Celtics and Brad Stevens, obviously they start and finish with Isaiah and Al Horford on the floor at the same time, but uh, early substitution for Al Horford to get him out and then bring him in when Isaiah comes out and stagger those two so you could have at least one of these all-stars on the floor basically at all times. Not, Not for 48 minutes, but for probably like 45 And so interesting that I want to see how long that lasts, how much he trusts the bench. Uh, There was some, uh, a couple of minutes where the the full bench was on the floor. I don't know how often we're going to see that, but right now it seems like Brad Stevens, Sam, is trying to get Horford out early and and keep him or Isaiah out there in some form for most of the game. I think it's a, a strategy that makes sense. I mean, the kind of the staggering thing is something that's kind of we, people have talked about in the NBA with uh, Westbrook and Durant or had talked about when they were on the same team. And it just makes sense that you're going to want to have your best players uh, or at least one of your two best players on the court uh, at all times. And there's certainly moments when Isaiah uh, is not on the floor and the Celtics have uh, struggled to score. More so last season, actually, their their numbers with Isaiah off the off the court this year have been pretty good on offense. But it it just makes sense in terms of you're going to want. It seems like Al Horford's the best, or a very very good playmaker, and probably a, like you said earlier, with a better passer. So you're going to want to have some sort of 
um, person facilitating the offense. And then on defense, um, I think you just want Al Horford on the court as much as possible just because he's really your only option on the interior. And tonight, for the first three quarters, it seems like he was doing all he could uh, with Carl Anthony Towns or the Celtics were doing all they could with Carl Anthony Towns. And then Gorgie Dang comes in and has the game of his career. Uh, they really couldn't do anything with it um, with those uh, guys on the interior. So if Horford's your only option on the interior, basically, if Kelly Olynyk's going to basically be pushed around, you're not going to want to turn to Tyler Zeller. Amir Johnson seemingly can only play uh, 20 minutes a game. You're going to want to have Horford uh, on the court for as long as possible. Uh, so it makes sense to kind of get him some time with the bench unit, who really doesn't have a, a kind of a backup big that's really worth anything. We got to figure out what what's going on with Amir Johnson and Kelly Olynyk because the that's that can't that can't keep happening with these two. Amir Johnson just does not look like himself, or he's had some moments. He has moments when he's next to Horford starting the game. He has some like he has bursts. He has these five minute bursts, and then but it never seems like one Stevens wants to go back to him for extended minutes in the second half. Or if he does, he's just kind of this guy who just uh, has no explosiveness and just doesn't is incapable of playing basketball anymore. And it's kind of it doesn't make sense. He's had a guy who's had problematic ankles for kind of his entire career, but I don't know why why he can't play more than twenty like twenty effective minutes. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, he played thirty seconds in the fourth quarter, so not really a guy that. Brad could lean on. He played six minutes, six and a half minutes in the entire second half. So not really a great night for Amir Johnson. He he's against Towns and Jang. He just wasn't really the right guy. But and I know why they they brought him back, and I know why he's around. But I just am struggling with him and, and his performance. That's been okay in stretches, but overall not great. And Kelly Olynyk, over the past couple of games, very ineffective. I thought when he came back from his injury, he was aggressive. And then tonight, he had a couple of minutes in the second half where, after a timeout, Brad Stevens drew up a play that seemingly was called for Olynyk, and he ran that play and hit a three. And the next time down, he took another three, that missed the shot was a little flat, but that was the only real sign of aggression. Otherwise, he's getting pushed around a lot. And I'm an Olympic guy, and I'm really starting to get upset by his performance and, and concerned by his performance. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you uh, as someone who considers himself a Lytic guy. I mean, I, I found myself tweeting in all caps after he had one possession where he defended Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, but I definitely tweeted too soon because, like, the next few times uh, where they matched up against each other, Towns just dominated Kelly Olynyk. Uh, he's just not physical, I, uh, and he's not – for someone who's seven feet, he needs to be a more intimidating physical presence, I think – Chris Forsberg had this really great tweet um, during the game. And in, I think as of the seven footers in the league, Kelly Olenek has the third worst rebounding percentage uh, only behind Frank Kaminsky and Willie Colley Stein. Uh, if he, if you're that big, you need to be doing something to just try to make an, make an impact in the paint. You can't be this only a, a perimeter player. 
uh, and it really goes. There's there was one gif I think Rich Levine had it tonight, uh, where it's just him just get, not doing anything on a box out, just getting absolutely decimated. It's just throw your weight around, Kelly. You're seven feet for a reason. Like it, it's it's entirely frustrating just because someone who's uh, physical on the interior and can shoot like that, he has like all the tools for exactly what the Celtics need. It's just that you want him to be able to put it all together. Because if he did, it feels like the Celtics would have a, such a better team, uh, a, such a better bench unit, especially. Yeah, that that's just going to be a struggle for Brad Stevens. And and uh, look, Olenek, playing for a contract. He's he's got money on the line here, and the way he's going right now, I, I think he's he might be done in Boston at the end of the year if he doesn't get more consistent. If he doesn't go out there and play hard and and get a little more physical for the rest of the season, then his somebody will give him money, and it won't be Danny Ainge. I, I'll tell you that much, because the Celtics are going to need as much cap space as they can to try to get that next superstar in here and maybe lure a big-name free agent in next summer. A Linux already on the bubble, and the new collective bargaining agreement, I brought this up in yesterday's show, might might just preclude the Celtics from signing him anyway. But if he keeps going like this, and it's early, and this is the typical kind of, I, I recognize this, that this is the typical kind of, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, overreaction to small events that happen during the season where if you take a step back, in you know a month or two from now, you're like, oh, it's just a couple of bad games. But still, he 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 just looks the same. He he has that same kind of lost little kid quality to him out there, and I have a real problem with that because, I, especially since I was looking at him to be a more aggressive type of guy, maybe that's my own fault. Maybe I just shouldn't have expected him to be any more aggressive in this situation. He is who he is, so. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it. He doesn't really fit in. We were talking, uh, at least what I was talking about, like what changed in that fourth quarter is you're talking about these aggressive guys, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Jonas Jerebko, and Al Horford just really like gritting out the win and like playing with super intensity. And you've never really seen that with Kelly Olenek. At Olenek's best moments, he's a guy who can like pick and pop and hit threes, but he's never been kind of that kind of, um, that player will pull, feels like they're going to put everything in a line and kind of pl- place to like be that physical. It just it's been frustrating watching him, and I think you're absolutely right that with the type of money players are getting um, as free agents, it, it the idea that the Celtics are going to pay I don't know fifteen million dollars a year to Kelly Olynyk, which I feel like is could be the market for him just in the current cap space, seems ridiculous. Yeah, I, I just don't see them doing something like that. Uh, so what, that that's so far off. We'll have to wait and see. And and obviously, there's the possibility of moves that are in, in the midseason that could change the entire dynamic. But uh, a couple of comments from tonight's game on Twitter with the hashtag Rain and Jays. Daniel Reifler, not sure how this happened. Doesn't seem like the Celtics had any business winning this game. Uh, they did not for most of the game, as we've been saying. Yeah, it, it, and it just felt like it. I had a, it just had a horrible feeling. It, it, midway through the third quarter, I was like, man, I can't believe this is happening again. And it really felt terrible. Uh, at Atty Shepard, 
it's good to see Terry Rozier finding rhythm. Uh, hashtag Rain and Jays, hashtag Bench Matters. Let's talk a little bit about T. Rose out there just doing some of the things that we had hoped that he would do coming into the season. He's finally, we finally got uh, preseason slash summer league Terry Rozier out there making plays in the fourth quarter, steals, dunks, just making high-energy plays, and and really leading the charge through the first, what is it, seven minutes where the Timberwolves were held scoreless. Yeah, for Rozier, it all starts on the defensive end. I think we're good. he's going to be frustrating on offense uh, for the entire season because uh, he's not exactly the most fine-tuned pick-and-roll player, but when he is kind of that pesky defender on defense and being super annoying, uh, tipping balls, just getting uh, out hustling, uh, using his kind of freak athleticism to do everything he can to bother uh, opposing point guards. That's where he's going to kind of contribute his most value. And that's when he's starting the fast break and using that quick speed, uh, that's where you're going to really see him excel. And uh, it's really just a, I don't want to put it all on effort, but it's, it's great to see when he can kind of put all those things together and kind of um, really make an impact. Because we, again, we we've seen this potential. Um, he's going to be fine from three. He's going to make some kind of some decent plays on offense. But I really think it's like when he's locked in on defense is when he has that biggest impact. And we definitely saw that earlier in the fourth quarter with a just I think it was like three or four consecutive possessions, which all culminated with that that huge dunk. Yeah, that's that was a, a fun sequence. But you're right. So much of this has to do with effort. I hate to just put it on that because you feel like effort is a given, but it, it doesn't always come come out that way. A lot of times, for whatever reason, guys slow down. They they have lulls in their their performance. They they kind of take some plays off. Look, the Celtics when they're struggling, they're walking the ball up the floor. They're not getting stops. They are playing half court, and they're playing a lot of individual. The ball is not moving. And the Celtics just are not good enough to do that. They are not a one-pass, isolation, one-pick, and then try-to-score type of team. They are the team that needs to move the ball around. That ball needs to go from one side of the floor to the other and back again into the paint, get a paint touch, draw the defense. They need defenses to be making decisions because as good as Isaiah Thomas is and as well as Avery Bradley is playing and as good as Horford is, not one of them is going to be taking guys consistently off the dribble and and creating their own offense all the time. Even Isaiah Thomas needs some help. He needs floor spacing. He needs guys to be switching. He needs something that gets uh, the defense out of position. He can get by one guy, but he's because of his size, he just can't have a wall waiting for him. So if nobody's moving and the floor isn't properly spaced, then he's going to have trouble doing the Isaiah Thomas things that he does. And for a big part of that second and third quarter, it was uh, a lack of stops, a lack of running, just uh, an isolation jump shot team that is the Celtics at their worst at their best. They were that t- uh, Terry Rozier getting that steal breakaway dunk, uh, getting the rebounds and running in the fourth quarter. And my favorite part in all of that was Isaiah Thomas just laughing and smiling and yelling on the sideline. It was just so much fun to watch 
the bench reaction to what was going on. But that was the Celtics at their best. Playing defense, and look, Minnesota absolutely complied with, with everything by missing some shots. Zach Levine missing shots. The, the corner three, he missed, what, two or three of those. Sure, thank you, Minnesota, for missing a bunch of shots, tightening up, and, and really not being able to execute down the stretch. That's something they're going to learn eventually. But getting the stops, getting the rebounds when they miss, running, 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 and forcing defenses to adjust to them, that's the Celtics at their best. And, and Rozier was, was really instrumental in that stretch on the defensive end and then translating to the offensive end. Yeah, it, I think it's a big, a huge point, especially on on offense, is when they don't get stops, they turn into this kind of stagnant jump shooting team, which is what the Celtics are not. They're not, they just don't have enough talent. They're not enough uh, shot makers. They have very good players, but if they're just doing that that one pass and kind of trying to step back uh, threes and stuff like that, they're just not going to be very good. Um, and it certainly hurts when you're not. Uh, they're not. Uh, rebounding the basketball or they're allowing a lot of points in the paint and so they're starting a lot of possessions uh not from rebounds but from um inbounding the ball so it really starts with uh with guard play and just like uh pressuring the ball on the perimeter and kind of hounding the hounding the boards one thing i thought was interesting is that after the game rosier said he he could tell that the timberwolves were were tired that they're uh their starters were a little bit gassed. And this is something we've seen with every uh, team Tom Thibodeau has ever coached. Yeah. Uh, every single starter played more than 38 minutes tonight. Uh, that could have something to do with it, but the, they were pretty terrible for the entire fourth quarter. You'd think they'd be able to kind of to bring it at the start of the fourth quarter, but how much do you think it was kind of Thibodeau, one, taking too many timeouts early on and not like, having his a chance for it to kind of regroup later on and just two overplaying his players. I think a little bit of both for sure. You look at it, it's pretty stark when you see that the the only guy on the bench to play double digit minutes was Shabazz Muhammad. That that's granted Cole Aldridge is not going to get you a bunch of quality minutes. You you're not looking to Brandon Rush to bail you out a lot. Dunn is a rookie who will eventually probably be pretty good, but that team needs its starters to play well. And so, but yeah, when you play almost 40 minutes in a game, you gotta, you're going to get tired. So, but look, Wiggins was a non factor all night long. So that had nothing to do with fatigue. Uh, Levine was really a non-factor for most of the night. He had a couple of highlight plays, but that had nothing to do with fatigue. He just wasn't playing well. So it was basically Towns and Jang, and Jang kind of faded. Towns was still playing pretty well. So I, I think part of it is, yeah, some fatigue. Part of it is the the timeouts to to – that kind of interrupted any kind of flow. Part of it is these guys are young and they're figuring it out. So, but look, Tibbs is known for not substituting. That's his, that's his biggest weakness. Remember the, I forget what game it was that doc got kicked out and Tibbs took over and didn't sub. 
he saw the one guy in the entire second half, one substitution the entire second half. I forget what game that was a few years ago. I think it was like he didn't sub for the final 20 minutes or something like that. Just yeah. in, in completely, it's the classic Tibbs move. And we we have to talk about his his guttural screaming. My God, that was, <laughs> that was distracting tonight. And I've heard other like podcasters kind of talk about it. Um, but either the, they need to move the mics, uh, in Minnesota, they need to get some more fans in there, but it's, it's kind of gross. It, uh, it was not, it was, it was amusing for the entire night, but I don't think I could do a whole season of listening to Tibbs scream like that. As I compared it, it sounded like a Northern Elk and heat had wandered into the arena. It's just this weird, low guttural kind of scream, it, it, not even scream. It was a grunt. I don't know how his team could even discern what the hell he's saying. I think they just eventually they just tune him out, and that's why they had such a bad fourth quarter is because they couldn't hear those those piercing screams anymore. It was it's it's going to be real fun to watch the the Timberwolves moving forward, but I think they need to move the mic away from Tibbs. I just can't I can't deal with that anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little off putting. Damn it, I am trying like hell to find that game. Someone's just going to have to tweet it because I'm not going to get to it in time. But I, I just remember that when I remember that game in Boston, that it was, I know it was a home game. I know Doc got kicked out and Tibbs took over. And I think he, I remember he, he put in Glenn Davis. I remember that. Glenn Davis was substituted in in the third quarter of that game, and then no one else came out. And so, man, I just can't remember the game. But anyway, yeah, look, and he's a really great coach. And he's defensively, he is a brilliant, brilliant mind. He just, for some reason, he just runs his team ragged. And it's going to be interesting to see what how this goes because you can't be playing these guys – 40 minutes a game all the time and these guys are young but the minutes pile up and this team is too good that minnesota team that starting five at least is really really good those guys can really play and if they get it together they are going to challenge i think they are going to challenge for a playoff spot in the west but they need to come together somehow quickly and and tibbs really needs to make sure that he's not crushing them with minutes and and especially in this NBA where overuse injuries and and the minutes played that's that's part of the advanced analytics and just I don't know if he's if he cares about that or what but ugh, that's bad at some point you would think he'd want to figure out what he has in Chris Dunn who many people considered one of the top three players in this draft it was kind of a I was kind of taken aback when I saw him on the court. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot the Timberwolves had Chris Dunn because we really heard nothing about him the entire season. And for him to be this – he's one, he's already 23 years old. He's she's like kind of a more – you would expect a more polished player. For him to only get, what, it was 10 minutes tonight yeah. he is, is kind of surprising, especially when he – it's the exact – like the – he seems like the exact kind of energy guy off the bench that uh, – a defensive minded guy that Thibodeau would like, but I don't know. It's just, it's not exactly surprising because, uh, we know Thibodeau was going to do this just cause it's his MO, but you know, eventually there, if I think if the Timberwolves are going to take the next step, they're 
he's going to have to start relying on someone on the bench. Um, and it's maybe he just doesn't like the players he have. Like we said, Cole Aldrich isn't exactly the most inspiring person to put into the game. But uh, I think the Timberwolves have that those starters in place. They just need to start working on that depth. Because as we saw tonight, uh, the bench can really win you a game sometimes. it's not If your starters aren't playing well, you're really going to need to turn to the bench, uh, as we saw with the Celtics in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, they'll have to figure it out, but that's their problem, not ours. The Boston Celtics uh, came away with the win tonight in Minnesota thanks to that monster fourth quarter. Uh, a great win. In the fact that, look, when you come back from double digits down to to win a game on the road like that, that that's huge. So Celtics win. They are next in Brooklyn on Wednesday to take on the Nets. And then they have the Spurs Friday afternoon. And look, they, they could, if they win, if they win on uh, Wednesday, which they should, they're off to a nice little, you know, all of a sudden the winds start to tack on a little bit. As Jay said last night in the show, that they are in line to start start winning a few games here. And who knows? Maybe they go on a little bit of a run. Maybe this is the the beginnings of a, a, a little spurt for the Celtics. And they can go. They're 8-6. and six. They can go and maybe win a few in a row. Speaking or, of uh, speaking of Jay, I just want to put the PSA out there that we found our new um, our new victory dance. Uh, so anytime the Celtics win moving forward, I want all the <laughs> reigning Jays fans to please uh, retweet the "Do the Zaza" dancing video because I really think it's it just sends out good vibes into the universe, and I think it's it's great to symbolize a Celtics win. I love it. I love it. Do the Zaza. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. I'm all in on that. The Zaza dance has to live on and be not just the Zaza dance. Jay King doing the, the, the Zaza Jay's, dance. Right. That is going to be really the Twitter version of Gino. It has to become our Gino. I hope so. I, I'll do everything in my Twitter power to make that, that happen. And I need you guys, the listeners to, to help me with it. You know what's going to happen? I've got to turn that. I got to turn that into a gift. So it just loops. Oh yeah, we need I'm gonna, that. I'm going to do that once we're done. I'm going to I'm going to grab that. We're turning a gift. We'll just loop it, and that'll become our victory dance. I like that idea. That's 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 classic. I wonder. Perfect. I wonder if, and and I I don't know. We got to look at our own schedule because Thanksgiving this week. So I don't think any one of us is going to be doing a podcast on. The, I think we take this Thursday off. So. Maybe we do an abbreviated, and maybe we do a. I got to see if J King gets on the mystery machine just for this dance. Ooh, he's he's definitely deserving. Uh, he's you know, under consideration. That's I'll consider that an official nomination for riding in the mystery yeah. machine. Yeah, which is you know that could be the wild card one. I don't know. I just throw that out there. Lots like of great, lots of great options. We'll see what happens. All right, let's wrap this sucker up. Celtics win. Uh, lots of fun there in the fourth quarter. Still, lots of questions, but hey, you know what? I'd rather win and have the questions that have to be answered in the win as opposed to them losing to the Timberwolves on the road. So I'll take it. The Celtics are 8-6. and six. They got the Nets. And, uh, you know, it's, it's early. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. So 
Still a lot of good things to come. Thanks for listening. Remember to download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code LOCELTICS. You will get $20 back after you make your first purchase. It's a $20 rebate. So go ahead and do that. Check out the Locked On Podcast Network. Our friends who are, you know, we have Locked On Nets. We have Locked On Spurs. So check out those shows as we move ahead to those games. They will have a lot to tell you about their teams. So check them out. Check out Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy. Lots of great shows all over the network. So that's it. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.